The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Hey everyone, welcome to a good football show. I am Matt Straup. It is Monday, March 28th, and today we are starting a two-week series. Can we call it a series? Yes, I think we're going to call it a series of NFL team needs. We're going to go from AFC to NFC. This week is the AFC, and we're going to talk about not only team needs, but solutions we may find for those needs in the NFL draft. To do this, I am joined by Kyle Dvorak and Zach Kruger. Guys, before we get started, just when you thought this wild NFL offseason could not possibly produce another seismic piece of news, on Monday, we found out, Kyle, that the Detroit Lions are going to be on hard knocks. I, I'm still I'm still reeling from this one. What's been your reaction? It's a pretty good one, right? You've got the kneecap biters. You've got probably yeah. sort of the, the power struggle of Jared Goff trying to hold on to probably his final year as a starter, right? And uh, overall, right. Like, they're not that terrible of a team right it's not going to be embarrassing football to watch really they're just like a quarterback and a defense away which compared to other teams in the top five that's not a lot having almost half of the ball taken care of is is not that bad i don't know if they're the greatest like we we really missed out on like i I would have loved eight seasons of hard knocks all for urban meyer would have been incredible content you cannot produce better content than that but uh we were robbed of that i think going to uh the lions is kind of the next logical step of these bottom tier fighting for relevancy teams yeah i i'm not much personally of a hard knocks guy i I tweeted this earlier so it's official i'm not much of a hard knocks guy but i think that dan campbell might be enough to reel me in. i just think that uh, he brings a pretty fun energy to the the overwhelming arch of NFL head coaches, some of which are rather boring. I think he's a very entertaining coach to to watch in his press conferences, to, to you know watch on the sideline. Um, and and I'm, I echo with what Kyle said too. Like they're a team that's not too far away. I think that they're more interesting than like maybe some casual fans would chalk them up to be. Where they had a couple of decent wins last season, they're a fun team. The second they get like a quarterback or something like that in this draft, it's going to be that much better to watch. If if now Jared Goff also has competition heading into the year, so I'm I'm excited for it. Actually, I'll probably tune in. Lions were like dumb good against the spread too. I think they were like 10 and seven or maybe even like 11 and six against the spread. They were a team that like Dan Campbell kept them fighting. Uh, and that was like 
more yeah. than you could say for Jacksonville, obviously more than it looked like really for like the Texans. Uh, like they're, they're at least an interesting team. And yeah, like Dan Campbell will be an entertaining head coach for probably a, a final year in the NFL. I don't know if he makes it past this. <laughs> He'll be all hopped up on his caffeine too. So that's going to be great to see too. Yeah, like, we that's going to be the, right be the best part. Well, there will definitely Isn't be a like, drive through scene with him at Starbucks or something. <laughs> oh my God. That is so true. Isn't it? Wasn't it like 40 ounces and like four double shots of espresso? Is it something of that nature? <laughs> twice two of those or, or some, it's some crazy thing i yeah that's how the the season should cold open is uh dan campbell at the starbucks drive through i think that's the that should be the opening scene um by the way my only concern about this upcoming season is like in terms of entertainment where do you go from kneecap fight uh, biting like you started up here i'm just worried that everything is a de-escalation from that point well, Campbell Campbell said that he wanted to bring a real line into practice. Like, this is the That's chance true. to make it happen. It didn't happen last year. I assume it'd be incredible <laughs> to find out. It did, but like now point. you have the extra funding from HBO. Make it happen. Real lion is an escalation from from uh, kneecap biting. So like I'm it. with you there. Well, let's start. You hinted at this already. Uh, some bleak times for some of these teams picking at the top of this draft. No surprise. Let's start with the team picking first, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Kyle, for starters, you've written up a series of team previews on NBC Sports Edge, team off-season previews, off-season needs. Did you do all 32 of these, first of all? You better believe I did all 32. How, how, uh, how are you holding up? Have you recovered from this exercise? Well, the good news is that I started something new almost immediately afterward, taking no breaks. And I started that well before the NFL season actually ended. It's like, you know, the Jags, Jags. I could have started the Jags like September, uh, right. their offseason preview right for the next offseason. So some of these you get to get a little bit of a head start on uh, Jags, Jags being among them. I mean, I, I legitimately can sympathize because when I write NBA content for NBC Sports, I'd yeah, that's right. You're never off, I assume. No, but sometimes I would do, you know, I'll say I'm this week for my column, I'm just going to do 30 teams, like 30 fantasy notes, right? And by like team 20, I'm just like, <laughs> I, I just want to die, like make this stop. And that's just one column and one note per team. So 32 columns is uh, a truly beastly undertaking. Let's not undersell that. I just want to live in that for a moment. I'd also like you to not undersell it. I agree. Let's celebrate me more is what I've said many times. All right. We're ripping up the format for today's show. It's a celebration of Kyle's uh, life and uh, <laughs> professional achievements. But so, so, all right, the Jaguars picking first and reading your offseason preview reminded me, not that I need a reminding that this team's needs are basically everything. And I guess for starters, since this is a fantasy podcast, like let's look at this team on offense. Do you see any hope for this team on offense after what they've done this offseason? And can you remind us what they've done this offseason? So I think the hope is is, is really twofold. Because, like, obviously the offseason was about acquiring weapons for Trevor Lawrence. But, like, I don't think it's, like, a massive upgrade. I don't – they're spending, like, probably the most money in the NFL on wide receivers, I would assume. I didn't look that up. I assume I don't have to. In getting Zay Jones and Christian Kirk, good players. Zay Jones had a really impressive year last year for our basement-level expectations of him. Christian Kirk – Honestly, always good, but never hit that next level. I don't think they made massive upgrades. They brought Evan, Evan Ingram in, right? But they're going to sub out DJ Chark, who uh, didn't actually play that much last year because of injuries. And they're probably this probably means like we're not going to see LaVisca Chenault. There are already trade rumors. Like we're, He's probably just hitting the bench if he doesn't get traded. The real hope, I think, is that you had a terrible, dreadful head coach in a Meyer, who we alluded to earlier, mm -hmm. who I believe was after week five, said they weren't comfortable using Trevor Lawrence on a QB sneak. He didn't think Trevor Lawrence knew how to run that. And Trevor Lawrence, right after that, he's like, no, obviously I know how to run that. He, he didn't say it quite as harshly as I did. But Urban Meyer had no clue what he was doing. He literally was a bumbling buffoon who would have ruined 
any great quarterback prospect, you know, to the low level, to the highest, what Trevor Lawrence was, the highest level of quarterback prospect we've seen since Andrew Luck. And sure, you could probably make an argument. He was like one of the best prospects of the past, like since the NFL ever has existed, right? He was just that good. The hope is that removing, you know, the addition by subtraction, removing Urban Meyer and subbing in Doug Peterson, who got an incredible MVP caliber season cut short by injury, but probably looked like it was going to be MVP, I think it was 2017, out of Carson Wentz. That is really, I believe, the big source of hope is a great quarterback prospect who goes from, I think, the worst coach I have seen in my adult life to a already established, successful head coach in Doug Peterson, who really fell out with his team, not because of the on-field product, but because of a power struggle within his own team. That's, to me, the selling point, right? It's, it's short. The receivers are an upgrade. Evan Ingram is nice. Brandon Scherf, right guard, a great addition. Those are good, sm- I, I want to say small, you know, I'd, quarterback is the big piece you add, right? Or maybe left tackle, right? Those are the big pieces. They add a lot of solid B-plus additions. The big addition is the addition by subtraction of going from or Meyer to Doug Peterson, and the fact that he can make the most you hope out of Trevor Lawrence. I really think the the offseason didn't change a ton for them other than maybe knocking receiver down a few pegs, but I wouldn't be surprised if they still took a receiver. A research team sent me a note that the Jags as a team had 12 passing touchdowns last year, which just seemed like such an impossibly low number. I had to go double check it. It's just crazy. <laughs> um, Zach, it turns out the Jags do need help on defense too. So is Aiden Hutchinson a lock in your mind to go number one to this team? I think he is a lock. He was kind of a lock. I think it prior to the offseason really starting and the Jaguars going out and giving a franchise tag to Cam Robinson and then also signing Brandon Sheriff, he was kind of a lock to go number two overall with a lot of the um, books still kind of favoring offensive tackle, either Evan Neal out of Alabama or Iki Ekwanu out of NC State. That's kind of now pivoted to Aiden Hutchinson, moving him up from the number two spot to the number one spot. You know, not surprisingly, more or less directly correlated with the offensive line moves that the Jaguars made. He's now set up as a favorite, which I think is still going to be the case um, just with the way things have unfolded for them recently. I think they've made enough offensive line moves where they can at least justify going somewhere else outside the offensive line. But if they don't go with Hutchinson, I think one of those top two uh, tackles are still going to be on the board. One thing I was looking at with Cam Robinson, which is kind of interesting, is this is actually his second season on the franchise tag with the Jaguars. We've seen a couple other players who have also gotten doubled up on the franchise tag in recent years. The ones that came to uh, memory immediately, I believe, hopefully these are all right, were Kirk Cousins, Devontae Adams. And um, let me check my notes here because now I'm forgetting the other one. Uh, he should be he should be very obvious to me. Is uh, <laughs> it, was, it was Devontae Adams. It was... Oh, and Brandon Sheriff, the guy they just signed. He had been twice twice tagged by Washington. So you got three guys who were twice tagged by a team who then eventually went on to move on to other teams. Now, there's some rumor that Cam Robinson is going to be extended eventually by Jacksonville. So that would be like best case scenario that happens. And they go ahead and they get him. And then if they go offensive tackle, then they have a guy at right tackle who they can eventually slide over to left tackle. If Robinson ends up not being extended, then they have an offensive tackle who they can slide over to left tackle in year two of that that guy's uh, second year. But I think overall, it's probably going to be Aiden Hutchinson. That would be where, where I'd be leading right now, given the recent moves. Yeah, the uh, the Athletics' Dane Brugger said, like, don't write off Georgia's Trayvon Walker. And I would say for most teams, like, why would you possibly pass on Aiden Hutchinson? Just seems like a slam dunk. The obvious uh, 101 mm-hmm. just, like, does not have really, like, big flaws in his game. And has it's not like, you know, Walker's a really athletic prospect, right? But it's not like you're saying, well, let's take the safe floor with Hutchinson. Hutchinson's ceiling is also being, like, the best edge rusher in the entire NFL. So you wouldn't be gaining ceiling at the expense of floor, right? There's not a trade-off. Hutchinson is probably just a better prospect. But if they're a team to make what we would all agree is sort of uh, the wrong pick, if you can make a wrong pick there, 
Boy, would it be the Jags. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. I, you can't really rule that. I did see that Walker had moved up on some books to like this. The, the favorite is a number two overall, actually, which was surprising to see. So, wow. so there's some there's some movement there that's mm-hmm. indicative of what you just said. All right, well, the Houston Texans, similar theme here, are another team with needs basically everywhere. Kyle, as you wrote, they were able to find consistent production from only one of their skill players, and that was Brandon Cooks. So similar question to Jacksonville here. I mean, can when it comes to fantasy, can we salvage any shred of optimism for this offense, for any improvement on offense heading into this season? I, I find myself a lot less optimistic right there. We assume yeah. they're not taking a quarterback. Non-zero chance they do. You would understand why. But it really feels like they're so far removed from being competitive that you don't take the quarterback now. You don't burn one, probably two years of that valuable rookie quarterback contract. You, you let You kind of throw Davis Mills to the wolves and say – if he swims, like that is a very meaningful step in the right direction. And mm-hmm. you can run with him on a super cheap contract. The more likely outcome is that he fails. He wasn't a great prospect and he played fine towards the end of last year. But really, you just want him to either overcome all odds so you know, or more likely he doesn't, but it gets you another good pick. And hopefully he's decent enough to show you what you have in someone like Nico Collins, right? But I don't, this is not a team I see making a leap. They didn't, I mean, they got a new head coach, but it's, it's Lovey Smith. He couldn't even hack it at Illinois, right? Then he comes in. They have a modest improvement last year as a defense, but I don't think that warrants him, you know, being the head coach. He is nonetheless. And then Pep Hamilton, who is sort of considered this quarterback guru, but like he was really successful with two notable quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, right. who by all accounts, like Andrew Luck was at his best when he was without him whenever Pep Hamilton uh, moved on per se from Indy. He was actually had two of his best seasons there without Hamilton. And then admittedly, he did have a really good season with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert had a good season with him. I'm not sure how much we can actually glean from that. Right. And now he's their OC. So to me, this almost feels exactly like what the spot we were at last year with the Texans. I don't want to say you intentionally lose for a year, but you build for the future for a year to put it kindly. They don't have that 101 sterling prospect quarterback they aren't making the massive upgrade at head coach it's, it's probably an upgrade but it's probably not a meaningful one not to me this is a team that you're if you're going for fantasy purposes brandon cook's going to get that volume right. he played well with mills and maybe that's the connection that makes the offense bearable is probably where i'd say is the ceiling but no this is not the team you want to look for for that next year leap i just don't really see the talent yeah. anywhere, the line, the running backs. I mean, Rex Burkett's going to be this team's starting running back. Come on. I saw somebody in one of my dynasty leagues drop David Johnson the other day, which I felt was just like the like the like the the book is now closed on the on the Bill O'Brien era. Like people are dropping David Johnson. Yeah. Like 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 it's kind of out. Like the like the optimism yeah. is dead on the offensive side of the ball for for Houston heading into twenty twenty two. Yeah. All right. Well, one more year of Brandon Cooks, right? I mean, at least we can say that. Uh, Davis Mills, like you said, Kyle, at least you know, was competent enough to get his number one receiver the ball on a number of occasions. And and that's not nothing, I suppose. But Zach, the, the Texans, like the Jags, are connected to a defensive player near the top of this draft in a lot of mock drafts. And that player in many mock drafts is Notre Dame's Kyle Hamilton. What is it that makes this guy so different? And, and how high for you is reasonable to take a safety when we're talking about number three overall here? Yeah, so a couple things uh, real quick. When we were doing the notes for the show, I had noticed when we were looking through it that of the teams with the top 10 picks, and I'm actually just going to stretch out the top 13 because it still maintains its relevancy, only the Jaguars, Texans, and Jets currently have top 13 draft picks in this year's draft out of the AFC. And since this is kind of an AFC-driven show, uh, we don't have a lot of other teams we can talk about outside of Houston and the Jets, assuming the Jags won't take a number one overall, where this is a potential landing spot. So um, it's going to probably be between one of those two teams. I think that Hamilton is going to fall 
probably in the top 10, but even if he falls in the top 13 to AFC team, it's only going to be one of these teams most likely unless a trade happens. Um, but to get to answer your question on this topic, as far as Kyle Hamilton goes, a lot of people uh, that I had been looking at online, someone actually particularly described him as a unicorn, which I think is just like the perfect way to describe mm-hmm. a player of Kyle Hamilton's, um, just his size, his athleticism, and his stature. He's six foot four, 220 pounds. He ran a four five nine at the combine, which some people are going to like probably dock him for because they, I think sometimes we just get so excited about these prospects. We think that they're absolutely capable of giving us the world, and then they run a four-five-nine, and all of a sudden, like we have the wind taken out of our sails. Uh, he plays a position of safety where instinct is just as key as athleticism is. I don't think a four-five-nine is that bad of a time for someone of his size against six-four, two hundred twenty pounds. Because he has that size, he's not only capable of playing a meaningful role as a safety; he's also capable of lining up in the box. He can get down closer to the line of scrimmage to enforce the run game. Uh, and then, because of his size, again, he also takes away mismatches that some teams may try to exploit, matching up tight when safeties Hamilton I think has the athleticism he's I mean the four five nine speed is still very good in relevance to when you'd be asked to cover a tight end he has the speed to match up well with those guys and then overall just his coverage um, per pro football focus has been very good throughout his career at Notre Dame I went back and looked at in 31 career games he saw 82 targets he allowed only 39 receptions for 388 yards and one touchdown before forcing eight interceptions and then 14 pass breakups like he's a legitimately good safety and coverage who can do a world of other things in addition to being asked to play coverage so I think that he's just a unique player who will probably go in the top 10. And I don't think that for a team that's as, um, in need of some other positions like like Houston or the Jets, I don't think that it's far-fetched to think that one of them could take him. One of the things that I had been looking back at, too, was just the idea that going early on a safety may or may not be a good idea. Uh, we actually saw the Jets do that a few years ago with Jamal Adams in the 2017 draft. Now, what they did do is they passed up on Patrick Mahomes to get Jamal Adams. Not exactly... Uh, a glowing sentiment, but we know that, but yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Exactly. So maybe a bad process, but Jamal Adams is still a very good player. He was an all pro in his final year with the jets. It was probably just something that was more bad process than it was bad player. I think if the player is right. We know that safeties can make absolute th- differences on defenses. And I think that Kyle Hamilton has potential to be that kind of difference maker. So a team like the jets, in theory, they already have a quarterback in place with Zach Wilson. If they wanted to use one of their first two picks on Hamilton, uh, I don't think that's absolutely crazy to think about. And then, you know, see what happens from there but i don't think going high on hamilton is going to be necessarily a bad decision even though it may be viewed by some as unconventional so i think we're mostly offense centric the rest of the way and let's turn to pittsburgh the steelers this has been the case for a while now they still need a quarterback they did sign mitchell trubisky so kyle for starters at this point are we headed toward a world where trubisky starts the year as a starter and if so i mean what do you see as the landscape for this offense could it actually be more bleak than the last couple of years have been? Like, what's your outlook if it's Trubisky under center week one? There's no way it's more bleak, right? It's just not possible. <laughs> I mean, the, like, I, I respect the Matt Canada for sort of making do with what he had, just going with the high pass rate. Uh, ran a ton of RPO for a team that, like, Ben Rousper is traditionally this, like, inside-the-pocket guy, just wants to, like, sit back there, probably get hit really hard in the ribs and throw a deep ball or something. And now he's not capable of throwing that deep ball anymore. So all they did was disguise their really bad offensive line with a quick RPO and then throw it a little deeper than your average RPO. They actually led the league. I believe they were tied with Miami in RPO plays that went three or more yards downfield. That's not very far, I admit. But that, I mean, it's not the point of RPO. It's not like the traditional rollout play action where you hit Tyler Lockett streaking downfield. It's just to buy you an extra second. And Miami and Pittsburgh used it because they had terrible lines. They just need that quick second to let Ben Rosberger throw a three-yard pass. I still think that kind of looks like what they are going for with Mitch Trubisky because no one's going to say Mitch Trubisky's got this dime of a deep arm, right? He's not that 
Jameis Winston style where you want him to dial in that strong deep arm. No, he, he's athletic. He's going to hit some decent throws, probably mostly like to the right side of the field. I believe it was in his time with the Bears. He didn't throw to the left side of the field, which maybe is a flaw in his game. Who knows, though? It's really hard to say if you want to throw to the left side or not. I do think, though, even if we don't really think he is the deep thrower, they will have more traditional play action, more unique mm -hmm. lineups, which is what Matt Canada was like known for in his college days, right? He was really like a forward-thinking offensive mind. Joining Pittsburgh, he just basically had to conform. For the most part, he got to add some of his RPO, but really had to conform to his team's limitations and more likely like what Ben Rossberg wanted to run. So I do think we get still a higher to dot, which is better. Still not great for Chase Claypool. You're not thinking it's a match made in heaven, but mm -hmm. it's better for Chase Claypool, maybe slightly less of a target share for Deontay Johnson, but it's basically just a slightly more, I don't want to say gifted, a slightly more capable arm from uh, Mitch Trubisky. And more importantly, the legs are really going to add a, a level of dy dynamicism to the offense that is useful, albeit it's not going to be a boon for the offense. That's why the team is looking, we're talking about them as a quarterback destination. Trubisky is a placeholder, and he's a placeholder that's good enough to probably get them back into the playoffs, but no one is saying, I, I don't think Pittsburgh is not even going to lie to themselves and say that right. he's going to be the guy who leads them to the promised land. He, he's a guy who makes it not embarrassing to go, you know, five and 12 or whatever, right? He keeps you in that 10 win conversation, but he doesn't do anything more than that. And the team knows it. I believe it was Kevin Colbert in the past uh, week or two said, no, signing him has not ruled us out from drafting a quarterback. Right. He didn't need to say that. We know they have been, they've sent everybody in like the city of Pittsburgh to all of Malik Willis's pro days, his interviews. Right. Everyone is going to see him. I don't think, I don't know if they have the firepower to move up and get him because he ain't making it to 20, but it's clear that Trubisky is a slight upgrade for the offense. He is not even close to the future. They've got like the mayor and all of City Hall going to right? Wilson's <laughs> pro days. Uh, so along those lines, uh, Zach, the Steelers picked 20th in the first round. And I mean, there was a point where maybe it felt like Willis could potentially go there, but it seems like that point has sort of passed, right? I mean, we've seen him mocked as high as number two in some places. So regardless of where we think he's going to go, you know, top 15 or whatever, I mean, it seems like Pittsburgh might have to trade up to get him. Do you think that they're inclined to do that? And do you agree with me there that they would have to do so? I do think they'd have to trade up to get him. I, I absolutely think that that's the case. I don't see him falling to 20th overall. Um, I went back and I looked at the history of Steelers GM Kevin Colbert, who has spent 22 years with the team and has traded the team's first-round draft pick only five times in his career. One of those times that he traded them was during the 2019 season when he sent the 2020 first-round pick to the Miami Dolphins as part of the Minka Fitzpatrick deal. But I went ahead and I wrote down the other times that he has traded the first-round draft pick, which was in 2021. He traded down from 16th to 19th with the New York Jets to select defensive tackle Casey Hampton. And then the other three times, he actually traded up in the draft. 2003 went from 27th to 16th with Kansas City uh, to select Troy Polamalu. I hear he was pretty good. Uh, 2006, he yeah, he was okay. Uh, 2006, he traded up from 32nd to 25th overall with the Giants, selected San Antonio Holmes, game-winning Super Bowl catch. Not exactly a bad trade either. And then in 2019, during the draft, so I know I mentioned 2019, he traded a 2020 pick, but then during the draft in 2019, he moved up from 20th to 10th overall to select um, linebacker Devin Butch. And in that draft, he also included a 2019 second rounder as well as the 2020 third rounder that they sent to the Broncos to get the deal done, which I think is really interesting because now what we're kind of looking at here is the Steelers once again have the 20th overall pick and they're, you're probably going to be talking about them trading up somewhere close to the top 10 again. So uh, the one big difference here is going to be they're probably not going to be trading up even into the top 10 
uh, simply a swap of first round to the second and the third rounder to get Malik Willis is probably going to be a little bit of a uh, higher ask than that. So I think the real question with whether or not the Steelers are going to trade up to get their guy, who I I don't think it's a secret that they want him. We've learned over the last couple of years, the Steelers are very bad at keeping secrets about who they want. Dude, just lie. Pittsburgh needs to learn to lie so bad. They do. Kevin Colbert should have said, like, no, Trubisky's our guy. We're like, sure, if a quarterback falls to us, we consider taking <laughs> yeah. him. Just lie. You're allowed to do that. It's not against the rules. Right? Yeah, they're, 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 they're very bad at hiding what they want to do. And I think to some degree that could be exploited by a team, which then I think it's going to just come down to whether or not the Steelers deem um, a trade offer to be palatable enough to go in there and make that move. If they don't, I think they're going to probably stay pat with where they're at. They're probably going to look at someone like a Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral if they want to actually get a quarterback in this first round. The Steelers are in a very tough position, in my opinion, which some teams find themselves in, where uh, they're probably good enough to win games to keep themselves out of uh, uh, elite quarterback in the following year, but they're also not good enough to want to have to sit with the quarterback who they currently have. So it's like Mr. Bisky might get them to the playoffs, but no one's going to feel good about having Mr. Bisky on the roster the following year. So it's a tough spot to be in. I think they're kind of going to be forced to trade up, but the question is going to be whether or not will they, and if they do, what's the asking price going to be to get that kind of deal done? Yeah, I think that the spot they're in is weird because they've got Carolina at six, very heavily linked, and they have done their due diligence on Malik Willis. Then the Falcons are basically in the same spot as Pittsburgh, except not with the playoff roster, but they've got that bridge quarterback on a two-year deal, and the Falcons contract with uh, Marcus Mariota. The second year is like a team option, essentially. You know, They just pick him up right. if they want to or not. And then uh, even after that, Seattle at nine. So do they have to move up to like four or five to make the Malik Willis pick? And at that point, I cannot... I struggle to see a team they have to pay multiple first round picks probably to move up that high specifically. Like it's not just a 15 pick jump into yeah. the top five or, or so around that range. I think they're probably just waiting for Kenny Pickett, even though they really want Malik Willis. We all know that, but are they willing to pay the price to get to like four or five? I don't know. Yeah. And, and it wouldn't even surprise me if it comes out like after the draft or during the draft that one of these teams reached out and basically said, Hey, we're going to take Malik Willis here unless yeah. you got a really great trade for us. And then at that point in time, it's going to be, you know, rise to the occasion or sit back and wait wait for someone else you like coming up. So I, I could easily see a team exploiting uh, Pittsburgh like that somewhere down the line with, hey, we're going to take him unless you really want to, you know, sell the farm to get him. Well, and to that point, like just even going back to last year with how obvious it was they wanted Najee Harris, they're kind of lucky they got him where he did, where they did, and that some team didn't kind of step in and just take him and then, you know, try to get them to trade for him. Uh, Anyways, we got more AFC team needs and draft answers to come in a second. First, though, we are going to take a quick break. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. Life is a highway. 
and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. The Madness is upon us. Get an Edge Plus annual subscription now to unlock our college basketball DFS and betting tools with game predictions, player prop projections, and more. Get ready to cut down the nets using promo code BRACKETS20. Plus, you'll get every tool for every sport with your Edge Plus subscription, including our new Fantasy Baseball Draft Guide. Powered by Roto World, go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus and use promo code BRACKETS20 at checkout and find your edge. All right, we're going to transition here from what I would describe as pretty bleak outlooks to likely playoff contenders here. And the Colts now have Matt Ryan under center. But I think there are valid questions about whether this team has enough at receivers. So things have obviously changed, Kyle, when it comes to when you initially wrote about this team and now. But what are your thoughts on this Colts wide receiver situation now that they've, in theory, upgraded at quarterback? Yeah, I'll be interested to see if they bring T.Y. Hilton back. I mean, he won't really factor in their plans. He looks like he's been losing a step in that like game-breaking speed he's had for a few years, and last yeah. year he was banged up too. So he's not the long-term answer, right? And uh, he had like a really cryptic tweet that was just, it looked like someone signing, right? But he then never followed up with what it was, so I don't <laughs> think it meant much. If they bring him back, it's not a, a massive boon. Maybe it shifts their, their needs slightly, but they also lost Zach Pascal. It's really like Hopefully Paris Campbell in the slot. He's played 15 games in three years. Yeah. I think they're looking probably to mix Paris Campbell if he's healthy and I guess Ashton Doolin in the slot and find another outside receiver for Matt Ryan. The interesting thing is Matt Ryan last year, and it's it's a like chicken or egg situation, his ADOP dropped to its lowest mark since 2013. He was throwing more shallow passes than mm-hmm. he had ever had since he had really become like one of the league's premier top 12 or so quarterbacks. Now, was that because he's an aging quarterback? Now he's, he's not too far off from 40 and his arms starting to go, or was it because Russell Gage was his number one receiver? I would think that the team at least believes it's because Russell Gage was the number one receiver. The Colts would probably would not trade for a guy who can't really throw the deep ball anymore. Right. So I think that leads them to wanting Probably the speed type of receiver to essentially replace T.Y. Hilton. Even if they bring Hilton back, you can't really rely on him to be old T.Y. Hilton. I think they have Michael Pittman as their clear ex-alpha receiver, can win on the boundary, but you want a guy who can really push safeties deep, stretch the field out, and make the most of whatever's left of Matt Ryan's arm. I would imagine that's their their plan, and then you probably just hope on Paris Campbell manning the slot, and if not, you're, you're probably just kind of taking an L there. Matt Ryan's arm has has never really been a bazooka as someone who has watched a lot of Matt Ryan. Like he kind of throws these funny pop fly deep balls, but like it seemed like when he had time and, you know, he he those intermediate deep throws like he could really still hit Zach. Uh, Did you have thoughts on that or before we pivot to I want to ask you, I mean, what wide receivers do you potentially like in the draft as fits for the Colts? Yeah, so the first thing that we got to keep in mind when we're talking about this is that the Colts, I, I believe, I'd like to double triple check this, and I remember there was a trade that took place last year. They don't have a first-round draft pick. They don't have their first pick until actually 42nd overall, which is the pick that they acquired from the Washington Commanders in a deal to move Carson Wentz over to our nation's capital, which I reside just outside of. So uh, now that I've gotten a chance to welcome Carson Wentz here and take a look at everything else that the Colts have remaining afterwards, seeing that they have the 42nd overall pick, we can pretty much immediately wipe off any of those first-round guys that we seem to love talking about every week and really kind of gear our conversation towards uh, the the early second round at pick 42. Um, A couple guys who immediately stood out to me was Penn State's Jahan Dotson and North Dakota Mm -hmm. State's Christian Watson. Uh, Both Dotson 
Dotson in particular has been mocked a little bit more heavily in some first rounds. And then even Watson has also been mocked in some first rounds or at least talked about as a potential guy who could move into the first round just given his absolutely absurd athleticism. He's really one of the most athletically gifted wide receivers in terms of the ideal size-speed combination. We saw that at the Combine. Um, comes from North Dakota State, never went over 801 receiving yards at North Dakota State in four years, which he did there. The one guy who, which he did in his final season, the one guy who I think is kind of interesting, really just because I don't think he's going to be a first-round guy at this point in time, I think we can all probably agree on this, is George's George Pickens, mm-hmm. who um, basically had a loss 2021 due to a torn ACL that he suffered in the spring. He only appeared in four games. Even in those four games, he still caught five passes for 107 yards. Like If you're going to catch five passes, you might as well make them count. George Pickens, at the very least, did that but Pickens early on in his days at Georgia was a guy who um, displayed a lot of things that we like in terms of looking at how transferable guy skills are going to be to the next level he had an 18 and a half breakout age with this good for 96 percentile that was over on playerprofiler.com and then he also had an 85th percentile college um, yards per reception of 17.8 in those first two seasons at Georgia he totaled 85 receptions 1,239 yards and 14 touchdowns. He ended up showing very well at the combine. He ran a 447 at six foot three, 195 pounds. Like Pickens is kind of that guy who I think Kyle was talking about, where he can stretch the field, but I think also with the size, he could do a lot more. I like that he's an early breakout age guy. I like that he is a guy who proved to be able to stretch the field and make big plays with over 17 yards per reception. I I think that he's a guy who could in all likelihood be there definitely in the second round. Whether or not he falls to the Colts, I'm not quite sure. But I think that he's a guy who, if he didn't have a lost season, we might be talking about him as a first-rounder. I don't know that we can necessarily say that as confidently about Dotson or Christian Watson at this point in time. Pickens had the lost 2021 season injury. He's back. He looks fast at the combine. I think he could be an interesting player for the Colts if they want to find a guy who can stretch the field, but then also possesses the size to match up with bigger cornerbacks as well. That's so funny. I had, uh, you know, I have, I have notes written up too, and uh, not not anything too in depth, because uh, you are our college analyst. But if not Christian Watson, comma George Pickens was all I had as like, let's throw out these names, see what Zach thinks of them. I don't think I have to throw them out. There you go. You know what's funny is uh, you mentioned Jahan Dotson. When I thought that Matt Ryan was going to be the Falcons' quarterback, along to, you know, I, I'm old enough to remember when I thought Matt Ryan was going to be the Falcons' quarterback this upcoming season. I was like looking at potential Falcons draft targets and I was watching Jahan Dotson's college video and like I was like he reminds me of Calvin Ridley just with the ability like Mm -hmm. get open at will and he seemed like a really good fit for Ryan who is actually a pretty risk averse quarterback so like a guy like Dotson I think would be a fascinating fit I just want to hear your thoughts on that real quick Zach. Yeah, I think he's fine. The, the, the main reason I ruled him out just for this particular exercise is one, because I do find uh, Pickens to be very interesting just because we don't mm. really know where he would have gone if he would have been healthy. But then also because he's been popping up a little bit more in some first round mocks and we now have some teams that are wide receiver needy at the back of the first round, I could possibly see one of them teams buying into uh, the idea of Dotson there. But I think he would be a great fit with, with Ryan as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think that would be a fine pick. All right, keeping it uh, wide receiver focused for another minute here. Kyle, the Chiefs obviously pulled off one of the more stunning moves of the offseason when they traded Tyreek Hill to the Dolphins. So in the aftermath of that, there's quite a bit of turnover there among Chiefs wide receivers. What does that situation look like for you right now? 
That's not good. I have bleak written. We've used that word for other teams. Bleak. It's not great. They lost, uh, you know, not great players. They lost uh, Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle to free agency. Replaced them with upgrade, sure, in Juju Smith-Schuster and Marquez uh-huh. Valdez-Scantling. But then the obvious loss of Tyreek Hill is like, how do you replace a player like this? I I had them even with Tyreek Hill and even with Juju. I probably would have finally written off had they signed MBS still with Tyreek Hill. But I had them even with Juju and Tyreek still seeing, uh, you know, maybe around two or three type of need at wide receiver. They never had like the typical like big bodied type of sort of boundary receiver. Maybe that's because it doesn't really fit with the skill set of Mahomes. But I I think that's kind of a cop out because Mahomes can make any throw at any distance at any time. He doesn't have a fit per se. He can throw to anyone as long as they are good enough, whether they're beating people deep with speed or whether they are the pure 50-50 jump ball guy, which is the guy that I don't think we've seen with this team. He can put it to where they are the one winning the 50-50. He can make so every jump ball is a 60-40 in favor of the the receiver. So I think they've got like interesting uh, options to go with because Mahomes doesn't like like, I'd love a speed guy, right? But that could be MVS, right? I right. think that they had a great player out of the slot. That'd be great. But if not, Juju's fine. He could even be really good. He could rebound to, you know, 20, what, 18 Juju's been. I, you know, talking about things we remember. I remember when Juju was, uh, all my dynasty teams remember when Juju was just that that new hotness. Yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see, like, Traylon Burks doesn't really fit that. No one fits the Tyreek Hill mold, but it, it probably wouldn't be Traylon Burks. But he's really good, and he fills a role that maybe Travis Kelsey is the closest thing they have, which is just that true number one alpha, big body, can take on large corners type of stuff. Tyreek Hill wasn't that, but he was so dominant what he did that he functioned as their number one receiver. There's You can't replace that really through anything. It would have been like Jalen Waddle last year, and I don't think this draft really has any sort of resemblance to a Tyreek Hill replacement. So go a different direction. To me, that would be someone like Traylon Burks, but really they do absolutely need to spend, I think if not one, two of their first and second round picks on uh, on receiver. I think Juju is so interesting because it doesn't feel like it, but he's actually only 25 years old. He came into the NFL super young. young. So maybe maybe there's something left with MVS. You know, your temptation would be like, oh, I, I want to see him play with Mahomes. Then you remember he's already played with Aaron Rodgers. So it's not like he was playing with a <laughs> guy who couldn't hit him deep. He's fine, but he averaged like two two catches per game throughout his career. And, you know, one of his best seasons was yeah. as a rookie. So right. we've, we know what he is. He's a perfectly fine number three-ish, you know, flanker, right. field stretcher type. They need so much more than that. Right. So they need so much more. Um, Kyle has already used that word bleak, Zach. So who, who are you thinking about as a target, wide receiver target for this Chiefs offense? in the draft well i think kyle is possibly finding a way to access my notes without me sending them to anybody because he mentioned Traylon burks and that's where i went with that um as a company man i will say that that was somewhat spurred by my looking over of thor nystrom's three-round rookie draft over at nbc sports edge he mocked Traylon burks to the chiefs um in that article that came out last week and i really just thought it was a perfect fit like is he going to follow the chiefs i'm not quite sure his his 40 time at the combine is is going to knock him down for some teams which is what thor even mentioned in his article but i just think fit wise if he does fall he's like the perfect kind of player for the chiefs because again you're not going to replicate what tyreek hill did with any single player um you know a lot of people remember him for all the deep plays but one thing that has stood out to me and over the last couple of years as someone who also charts games and does, does some stats stuff for some other websites is the way that the Chiefs utilize their offense and the receiving game and are big time fans of actually throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. Um, I went ahead and pulled these numbers just since the 2018 season when Mahomes became the full time starter. Since 2018, Mahomes is ranked second, fifth, 
sixth and first in pass attempts behind the line of scrimmage per pro football focus. And Tyreek Hill has been one of the main beneficiaries, obviously, as the team's number one receiver of those of those targets um, behind the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs like to use their athletic players to make plays um, you know, after the catch. They don't necessarily have to gun the ball downfield every play, despite the fact that they have the talent in Mahomes and the speed in and Hill to do so. But Andy Reid is very crafty with the way he looks to get his elite playmakers involved. And Traylon Burks is the kind of guy who I thought fits the mold of an Andy Reid player who can make those plays after the catch. He's six foot two. He's 225 pounds. He did run a four, five, five forty. Again, not everybody loves that. I'm not that concerned about it. We know that Traylon Burks can make plays after the catch. 46% of his career receiving yards at Arkansas came after the catch. He had over 600 yards after the catch this past season. He is a guy who can catch the ball, cut up field, and find multiple ways um, to, to move the ball. He can break tackles. He has great size. I think that if Burks falls to them, I really like that pick. I think he's an ideal fit for what we've seen the Chiefs do just over recent years. And again, because you're not going to replace Tyreek Hill one for one, you're going to find a way to do that in a number of creative ways. So maybe it's MVS, more exclusively the deep guy, which I think we've kind of already expected to be the case. And then with two of your two first-round picks, get a guy who fits another part of your scheme, which is finding that guy who can catch the ball in the short intermediate parts of the field, or perhaps even behind the line of scrimmage and then make plays afterwards with, you know, the blocking in front of him to get things done. So I really like Burks a lot in this spot. And I, I think he'd be a perfect fit if he goes there. So I love what Kyle said. I love what Thor wrote. I think we're, we're three for three here. I'll go ahead and speak for Thor that I, that, that we all had agreement on this one. I think the problem is that me, Zach, I know Crane feels this way. It seems like Thor feels this way. Just think Traylon Burks is really good. And anytime an opening at wide receiver comes up, we'll be like, Burks, great fit. Because you know what? Good players make most fits work, right? Yeah. There are specific players who I don't want to say are not as good, but I think Traylon Burks is really yeah. good. So I will say players that aren't as good, who I'm like, they probably need some sort of support. They need the right style, right? They need Aaron Rodgers' cannon of an arm to make their deep speed work. I think Traylon Burks will probably work in most situations. Chiefs very much among them and by the way uh zach earlier when kyle said i have notes too he was actually specifically referring to having your notes just to be clear that was this is troubling i didn't email them out i need to figure out how this happened you just see like a little you know like a giraffe pop up in your google doc <laughs> yeah, thing, yeah. and i just start saying whatever that's <laughs> yeah, highlighted exactly. uh, that'd be great uh Let's look at the Bills for a minute before we go. Kyle, this team brought in Jameson Crowder and O.J. Howard, as well as a guy named Von Miller. Uh, what do you identify as their top team need at the moment? Dude, Bills are a good team. We talk about a lot of teams that are not good, uh, and they're the inflection of that, yeah. the, the reverse, the yin and yang of that. I, it's hard to find spots that the Bills need. I think cornerback will kind of be the obvious one for Davies White coming off the torn ACL, and even assuming he comes back full strength, healthy, not, not an issue. The cornerback, too, on this team, uh, the other outside corner, that is, is going to be between, like, Dane Jackson, who... I mean, he was a okay spot starter last year or Saran Neal, who's like sort of a positionless, mostly special teams player, right? So this is the obvious weak spot and it's hardly even that weak spot. Most teams don't trot out elite cornerback twos. Most teams don't trot out a cornerback one as good as Tredavious White. So it is a need because every team has team needs, but they are not in the same spot that a lot of the, uh, these other squads are. I do think they'll probably look at, at cornerback pretty early, maybe even multiple times. But uh, they're not. It's it's not a dire spot for them. They really do have the freedom to go best player available as long as that player has a spot on the roster. We saw a pretty formidable. Would, would I dare say? Would we dare say formidable about Devin Singletary down the stretch last year? We saw a very productive. I'm in for yeah, it. Yeah, fair. I'll call it formidable. We saw a very productive version of Devin Singletary. Um, we've already talked some quarterbacks. We've talked some wide receivers. Let's get a little running back talk in here. Obviously, Brees Hall, one of the more intriguing running back prospects out there, has drawn some Saquon Barkley comparisons. When you look at the Bills. 
Zach? I mean, could you see uh, this guy being a guy who goes in round one to the Bills or to someone else? Like, is is there a fit there or is there a fit elsewhere when it comes to Brees Hall? Yeah, I mean, I think that the idea of a first-round running back is probably not that likely. But if you want to talk about a team who can possibly manage to squeeze it in there and just kind of say, hey, as Kyle said, you know, we, we were listening to a good football show. We heard what Kyle said. We don't have a lot of needs. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and we're going to go with something that we want to add just for the sake of being better at a position. I do think that the Bills are one of those rare teams that if they wanted to, they could go with someone like Brees Hall, you know, early in the draft in the first round there. Not a lot of teams can afford to do that. And we literally saw the Chiefs do this a couple of years ago with Clyde edwards Lair. Now, somehow they managed to whiff on some guy named Jonathan Taylor and they went with CEH. It's it's really kind of amazing mm. to think about what the what the Chiefs did. Like they they didn't just miss on CEH or they I'm sorry, they didn't just miss on Jonathan Taylor. They literally missed on they could have gone J.K. Dobbins, they could have gone the healthy Kim Makers, they could have gone DeAndre Swift, they could have gone anybody. And they decided for their luxury piece wow. to go with CEH and they just they just missed it there. But I could see the Bills doing something similar. I don't think it would be after Absolutely crazy to envision that, and then Brees Hall would probably become very close to the the RB one, um, you know, on that team with Devin Singletary playing, uh, you know, kind of the the complimentary role there. And then it's just tough scenes for for Zach Moss. I think at that point in time, as if they weren't already tough enough, they get even tougher. So um, I would like to see the Bills maybe do something like that. I know it's not going to be the optimal move for a lot of people in terms of like how we how we prefer to see teams spend on draft capital, but it would be fun, and I think it would also make it for an interesting case for from a fantasy perspective seeing one of these running backs get round one draft capital especially a guy who we like to be possibly the first back off the board regardless of which round it is yeah the interesting thing is people say like brandon bean the the bills staff or the the management specifically analytics focus make all the smart decisions they would never do something as crazy as spend a first round pick on running backs they spent third round picks and back-to-back drafts singletary moss and then last year Travis Etienne literally said to the Jaguars team site, he thought he was going to the Bills, I believe Mm -hmm. at 30. And there were rumors from, I believe it was Todd McShay, said that they were considering trading up to jump the Jags. And I believe the Jets were in the conversation as well to get Travis Etienne. This would not come out of left field. They're not, you know, playing perfect football. They're not, you know, these these poker algos that just play perfect poker online, right? They are still a team that has their roots in football and scouting. They would not be completely averse doing it. Although I do think they're, more forward thinking than most organizations they are not playing perfect football by any means in terms of management and i would have said like they, they typically have a type right it's travis Etienne. then the lower version of that is like scat back jd mckissick who they tried to sign right and then the lower lower version of that is duke johnson who who knows if he even makes the roster and i would have normally said like Brees hall doesn't fit that like almost like in a bad way he can really be a bell cow and they just want the, the scat back who can be alvin kamara average five yards of carry and catch a ton of passes but Brees hall blew the combine away mm. so hard that he looks to have that speed that Mm -hmm. burst of the travis Etienne ilk right where it's really you don't see that for guys who can take you know 300 carries or whatever he looks to have that level of of athleticism but then can also take a ton of carries so he doesn't have like you would think it's hard to combine that level of athleticism with potential as a pass catcher he kind of does fit that bill as both being incredibly athletic which we typically see in the pass catching types but then just happens to be so much beyond that that like his combine actually to me put him back in the conversation for the bills who i admit probably wouldn't be taking running back there i think also too like if you really think about it you know this is a fantasy driven show so just from a fantasy perspective i've seen a couple people mention like it could get really ugly out there for some of these running backs who might go in the early second round to teams that are not very good so maybe something like a Brees hall or even a kenny walker one of these teams 
teams at the back end of the draft who are able to get a guy and immediately insert him into a good offense could be ideal. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. certainly see them move up in ADP like we did Clyde edwards Lair, But uh, something like that, like I don't want to see any of these running backs be like go to bad teams or be in awkward situations. Like trying to dissect what we're going to do with Brees Hall or, or Kenny Walker on a team like the Jets or the, the Texans would just not be a lot of fun. So uh, it might actually be kind of good from a fantasy perspective if one of these teams is something that we think in real world is less than ideal just so we can have more fun with our spreadsheets and on our computers and uh in the fantasy world all right on that note that is going to do it for us on this episode don't forget to subscribe on apple podcasts on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well and make sure you check out all of kyle's off-season team previews there are 32 of them on nbc sports edge i want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live kyle zach thanks to both you guys i'll talk to you soon the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.